When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Now, I know what some of you listeners are thinking. You see the two podcast titles in your Great Shot Podcast feed, and you think this may be some sort of mistake. I see ITA recap with Colette Lewis. They certainly covered everything there, but folks... I think I've got at least another 30 minutes of ITA National Fall recap content left in me, and I figured there would be no better person to join me on the podcast to discuss it with than the man joining me on the show today. Of course, you may know him as our newest Crack Rackets contributor. You also know him as the founder and writer of the No Ad No Problem blog, and I will point out, I don't know if she said it in the podcast, but it was a fantastic Colette Lewis joke. She says, I think No Ad Many Problems, just proof that she is reading the blog. Of course, I am referring to my main man, John Parsons. Jay, Hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Gruskin. Uh, Colette noted. Um, <laughs> I'm happy to be here as Colette's second act. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of no ad conversation with the uh, next gen finals. I'm happy to engage. Um, but that's that's a great joke. I'm, I'm unspoiled, so I haven't listened to the episode yet. Um, so I will go back and, and listen to that. But I didn't want to taint uh, our conversation today. But well done, Colette. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's, first of all, means she's reading that's a win jay that's absolutely a win but um, or she just saw the twitter bio <laughs> now let's go with my story i like mine better uh, but no again it, the reason i've got another 30 minutes in me a is because we were covering uh, midland as well and we wanted to talk a little stuff on kozlov and so yeah we got to dive in but i want to nerd out i am full ready to geek out talk about some of the takeaways you know via this fall national event national fall event excuse me from the broader fall picture as well and again talk about the doubles talk about the consolation get into the nitty-gritty of this event and you know again with that said i am curious third-party perspective rip in us if you have to what do you think of the coverage of this event? Certainly, you know, for me to get to see Hamner and all of these players, even beyond, you know, just the fact that there was no broadcast at the ITA All-American, it's just so nice to get to see these fall events. I had forgotten that we didn't have them last year. To just get to see faces, how everyone competes, any developments that have been had, it's just nice to get eyes on all of these players. Absolutely. I mean, I actually, props to you guys. I don't think there's a better format for red zone coverage than not having coverage of Charleston and now actually being able to do like red zone coverage of it, because just tuning in for, you know, even if you just tuned in for the first hour and you were going court by court, I was like, Oh, okay. Mel Riasco from Georgia. Haven't seen her play at all. Let's watch a few points. And no idea. She was a lefty. No idea. She was a lefty until today or, you know, the tournament. Some of us knew. Um, (laughs) 
but uh, some of us learned additional things as well. Um, but just like even that recap was like, oh wow, and like whoa, Kat Jokic got a sixth year. Like this is wild. Um, and in in Daria Freeman, right? So just yeah. like boom, the courts, and then you could dip and you could um, do the track tennis. So I actually thought no better like lead up to doing the red zone coverage than where we've been, and and just particularly on the women's side where there's just so many new faces that. I mean, we've seen new faces emerge on the men's side, but they have been in college tennis, right? The women, we actually are seeing freshmen emerge and, and things like that. So to be able to see those faces dip into the coverage, I thought was excellent. Huge shout out to Westoff for <laughs> figuring out what I guess track tennis has not, which is get the score and the court together. I mean, that was I mean, your commentary was great, but such a huge value prop of being able to like tune in, get the score, you know, not have to be like, okay, get the app. Let me watch the screen. So, I mean, shout out to you. Um, just being able to talk that long. I mean, I was exhausted by the end of the four days and I was just, you know, sitting on the couch chiming in every few minutes, but really, really great job. It was awesome to see. I appreciate you saying that. I do appreciate all of your commentary as well. Your interaction. I am not just saying this to butter you up. Sincerely, you interacting creates a permission structure for others too as well because they hear me reference you and you continue to respond back and it helps that we know each other but I appreciated your involvement and we have to say thank you to the ITA they let us take a swing they let us you know say you guys want to do red zone sure let's see what it looks like you guys want to do these hours and whatever it may be do your thing and format the screen however you want you want to bring on Will Blumberg for a second we'll help get August Holmgren Arthur Ferry on for you as well it was it was really fun. And, you know, again, I knowing the viewership numbers that we had and knowing how many coaches and players have reached out, I think they all enjoyed it as well because you're right, uh, particularly in the fall, when we don't know the faces or you do know, you know, a guy like Andre Illigan, who, yeah, I'd seen a little bit of, but you got to see him compete a couple of times just to get your yeah. eyes on the lefty to see, oh, man, okay, the serve and forehand really of August Holmgren really is that good compared to some of the other field because you flip on his court for a second and you're just like the pace here is different than that pace you're right it was it was a learning experience and with that said what we're going to do today let's go through the draws let's geek out and you talked about the new faces in the women's singles draw we have to start there as fun as the men's side was four of the top five seeds ended up in the semifinals. and with all due respect uh, even in a tournament where you don't have the top 10 ranked players coming into the event to have that sort of consistency at the top it's a lot of guys that we did know about although we'll get to Arthur Ferry later because I you know again breakthrough sophomore season all of the ingredients are starting to be there we'll get there later I want to talk about the men's side because holy crap the winners of the fall and there are going to be many takes thrown at everyone here in this podcast but how can we say the winners of the fall aren't usc whether it's cayetano going quarterfinals losing to alexa noel getting the revenge win here at the national fall championships winning the tournament in the fashion that she did her 30 minutes in that first set uh in the final against daria freeman of princeton were the best 30 minutes i have seen from any college player men uh, you know men's or women's this season just the domination to do that in a final that's as good as it gets and even if it got shaky down the end she ends up winning that match and you have Selma Ewing who you know beats Kylie Collins at a come from behind three set victory and probably should have beaten Sarah Hamner in that round of 16 match as well and then even Snow Han who you know loses to Connie Ma and tough for her in the consolation as well but I thought just getting eyes on her you see the talent there and it's like well the good news is we thought maybe she'd play one 
it's all right. Ewing and Cayetano got the top. She can take some months at three, get better throughout the course of the year. The big takeaway is that Allison Swain's got some talent in Los Angeles. But, of course, the other takeaway, Aaron Cayetano is unbelievable. Yeah, I thought you were going to go farther back than just, like, the best we've seen, like, this season. <laughs> I mean, that 30 minutes where she bageled Daria Freeman, I mean, you don't you have, you have don't see a level like that in, in women's college tennis. I, I would mean, say her, best uh, – women's is tough. Best level I've seen from any individual players since Adrian Boyton against Blumberg at the NCAA tournament, where it was just, like, for 45 minutes, Adrian Boyton did not miss. And yeah. that was Aaron Cayetano in set number one. Yeah. I mean – that forehand, by far the biggest weapon at the tournament, mm-hmm. potentially, you know, writ large in all of college tennis, the the swinging volleys that she was executing on. And it, her forehand is just so deep. She was hitting hitting those lines. I mean, it was it was extremely impressive. Um, and what I liked about it, too, was when she started missing, right? She lived or died by that forehand yes. throughout the entire tournament. And at times it wasn't pretty, um, but it paid off, right? Because it had paid off throughout the tournament. Um, and so to me, for her to keep going for it, right? And you saw, to get into the final a little bit, right? You saw Freeman totally switch gears in that second set, which was extremely smart on her part, totally threw off Cayetano's rhythm. She kept swinging, right? She kept going for it and and it paid off. Um I mean, just a massive, a massive fall for her. Um, such an improvement from from last season and, and in the past, and just extremely impressive. This is why I have another, and I'll say at least hour in me. Here's my question to you: more likely scenario, and I'm afraid to ask Colette these questions because sometimes she gives me looks where she's just like Alex, and I'm just like sorry. You know, it's like when you get when you go to you, you go to the teacher and you're like, yeah, I know, I you got me here. Um, but my question to you: more likely. UCLA finishes first in the Pac-12 or UCLA finishes fourth in the Pac-12? Because with Stanford, with USC, with Cal, who's very, very good this year, and it was a tough tournament for Abby Forbes, although I'm not concerned moving forward about her. It's one match. You read into the—for me, I read into the outliers in the very, very good. Uh, The outliers in the very, very bad in this format nowadays, whatever, kind of is what it is. Not that Forbes' loss was particularly bad. We'll get into it a little bit later, but— like, the Pac-12's back. It is. Like, last year was the year of the ACC, and uh, we, we didn't get to see much of Cal in the fall, but there's a lot of talent returning to that roster, and it's just like, yeah, Cayetano might be the best player on any of the teams, and they're all freaking stacked. And it's just like, you know, again, to your point, for Aaron Cayetano, it was the swinging forehand volleys. Like, she was hitting the, the swinger in the first set. She she hit a second serve ace down the tee. And yep. what was that? The five or three, whatever that was. Maybe it was five love or four love, or maybe it was in the second set at this point. All the games blend together. But she goes second serve big tee and hits an ace. She, as you mentioned, when Daria Freeman started introducing moon balls into the equation and just slowing things down, throwing absolute garbage at Cayetano, it drew the errors. And you could see the nerves manifest for Aaron Cayetano. Case in point, when she double faulted a couple, I think the break for two, three, and just you could see her, you know, she had to catch her toss three or four times and just kind of stuttered in the motion. And yet when it came to the forehand, and most importantly for me, I think when it came to her feet, she was so aggressive with her footwork in that match, Jay. And just like, again, what, first winner since Maria Sanchez, I think third woman to win fourth title at the National Fall Championship, which, of course, is now outdoors. But 
Kai, is she preseason number one now? Like, I guess Navarro's I, been so good in the pros, but I think she has to be ranked number one. Well, yeah, I mean, the rankings are based off of the fall results, right? Mm -hmm. um, and she's what, I think I said 18 and two. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I have had this somewhere, but I mean, she's racked up the, the top 20 wins, right? Um, I don't think there, I would bet that she's one or two, right? I mean, she's going to be top three um, and she deserves it. Um, and so to, to answer your question is a really good one about like UCLA. I, I'm not sold yet on USC's depth. Yes. Um, I think they're going to have a top three. They clearly have a top three that competes with, with everybody. Um, so, so we'll see. We didn't see much uh, outside of those three this fall. Um, whereas you take a team like UCLA and they just have like, you know, you know, the, the drop-off between one or three through six is, is, is pretty negligible. Um, and that's what kind of, makes these teams so good so we'll have to see a little bit more but um i mean Cayetano, ewing good to see snohan i mean my take is looking really good about the usc women finishing above the usc men i will plug that one again oh i, I love the take i think it's fascinating and I, I think i even asked colette that same thing who i definitely stole it from you and said who finishes ranked higher and i'll leave the answer she says to the you listening to the podcast but um yeah, it's I, I I didn't get an answer by the way. What's more likely, first or fourth? More likely is first. I yes, I agree. But in the range of outcomes, four is on the table. A hundred percent. And you know what's gonna happen is it's gonna be like they all beat each other in the regular exactly. season. Exactly. Yep. It's like a tie for first, and then we we you know we go into the tournament and whatever happens there happens. But uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, no, and again, Cayetano, exceptional. And I think she won the Sportsmanship Award for the fall as well. And she, you know, on the camera, you couldn't tell, well, you could tell if she fist pumped to the sideline, she won the point. If she fist pumped to herself, she lost the point. But you just love that energy, just everything about it. And you know I couldn't hear uh, the on-court noise because that's just a production thing for us, but I could see the energy with which she played. It's just what you want at the top of your lineup. And sure, it's easy to be positive when you're winning, but is there any reason to think that forehand, her speed, like whether it was, you know, round of 16, 5-4 down to Hewell, she comes back, she wins that match. And obviously she's the beneficiary of the Forbes upset, but okay, 2-2 two and two in that next match. She took yeah. care of business, identified the fatigue in Alexa Noel, and made her suffer all, you know, match long. It's just like those are the ingredients. It was the different ways that she won. And, yeah, the forehand did the bulk of the work, but she just competed so well all week. Yeah, absolutely. We got to we got to fix that production issue of you not being able to hear because <laughs> there were so many times where I really wish you could have heard. So I think we can do it, but what? look, I didn't want to overwhelm myself. We were like, that's a next, that's a next time problem. That's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a nice to have. This was MVP fall Nats coverage. Um, exactly. Totally get it. Um, but yeah, I, the, the fist bump was a, a revelation for me. I hadn't seen that that much before, particularly the camera angle. I felt like we always got it towards the back of the court. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, it, but she wasn't always winning, right? I mean, even yeah. in that second set with like, Stuff didn't go that well for her there. Down 2-3, um, down 3-4, breaks of serves in the third. Yep, and she just continued positive. She continued to stay aggressive. Um, it's ultimately what won her this title. No doubt about that. And again, should be preseason number one in the rankings. Now, let's move to her opponent, Daria Freeman. 
didn't know much about the former top 40 junior in the world heading into it. And I will say, such a great cheat sheet for me, having to look up all of these things. I'm like, all right, now I've got him in the queue. And now I know the story for Daria Freeman. I believe she was 12-3 and three her freshman season in singles, playing the number two spot, obviously playing behind a Brianna Schwetz, who was incredible at the national indoors. And yet, you know, now, again, Schwetz... Uh, Freeman, who, that's a hell of a top three for Princeton. More impressively for Daria Freeman, I don't think the forehand is Jokic-esque. I think that's the difference between the two. She doesn't have the pop that Katarina had on that side. That said, her ability to play defense, I think, is a little bit better than Katarina's was. And just the moon balls she showed against uh, against Cayetano. She found an adjustment. And, like, of course, college tennis, it helps to have coaching on the sideline. But whatever discussions were happening, they were implemented. And and they were effective. And just, again, she was able to turn defense into offense. She is willing to move forward in a comfortable volley. Her serve's not the, the best, but you can say that about just about anyone. Um, you know, again, I think she moves really well in the outer thirds of the courts as well. I love the tenacity when they start yeah. getting into it in the line calls. It kind of raised both of their levels. And again, I'm not disputing the merits of any call, simply saying in the tense situations, it brought out the best in both athletes, which is the best case scenario in college tennis. And just, again, whether it was identifying Connie Ma, you know, she just was the, the fitter player and she made that match a track meet. Whether it was identifying the fact, all I got to do is make that extra ball, and Contos is giving me the error right now, and God, would she dig herself out of 11 break points in that first set? Something crazy. Where are you at with Daria Freeman? I won't give you my take yet. I'll hold it. Um, I just want to know at what point in this podcast we get to how good my predictions were and how bad yours were. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Westoff, give me like a champion sound effect, please. We should welcome the champ of the predictions, even though he neglects doubles in those predictions. My man, that's not, tr- that's not true. I'm ha- I predicted the women's doubles cor- correctly. <laughs> I did true. cheat, but I got that correctly. And my doubles team made the semifinals, which we cannot say about some of your picks. Yeah, I don't um, even, the good news is I don't remember my picks. So that's always – I think – who did I pick? Dostanek, that one I know. Who yep. did I pick for the women? Forbes? Forbes over Crawley. Yeah, that was – well, I was on the right train. I thought Crawley lost to Ma, who lost to Freeman, who lost to – no. <laughs> um, yeah, so I – So you're uh, looking to get the wooden spoon award is what yeah, I Yeah, the real thing – so La and Bass was a good pick. They lost in a third to the eventual champions. Like, I don't feel bad about that one. Who did I pick for women's doubles? Did I pick Scotty and Crawley? That might have been my – uh, you went Munera Suposh, I believe. Uh, yeah, that's, I went creative. I, that, that checks out. I, I believe that. Um, yeah. Yeah, not my best but, work. But anyways, congratulations. Yeah. You're right. You kicked my Thank you. Thank you. I will take that. Um, but the frame and segue was there because I had her I had her winning. Um, and, you know, I think you, you brought up the record. I mean, she played a few junior competitive played like two junior tournaments at the end of 2020 obviously season was halted no dual match uh season for the ivy league this past uh, spring but it's not like we saw her on the itf circuit right it's not like we saw her playing a lot of matches so immediately to come out uh, and have some of the wins that she did at some of the earlier fall events um caught my eye you're right about the forehand maybe not being joke adjust the backhand was what looked very joke adjust and to me the versatility and how she yes. won her matches and 
that was what was most impressive. I mean, yes, I think she got a fairly tired Connie Ma, um, but immediately looking, I mean, sometimes she was taking that backhand for winners left and right in many of the matches that wasn't working. It just, just the depth that she had on her, um, on her ground strokes was pretty remarkable. That wasn't working against Cayetano, who was just totally taking the racket out of her hand. So she completely changed tactics that was successful. Right. So to me, like the pathways to how she could win matches was pretty evident. Um, and overall, just just super impressed to come out of, you know, not playing competitively, to have the fall that she's had, to take on this level of competition. I mean, she, she's hardly even played that many college matches, right? You have to go back to the 2020 season. So um, I was really impressed. Um, and I think, you know, she's that's a, a damn good Princeton team. Yeah, no, she was excellent, and you're right. It was the way she competed, just as much yep. as uh, the tennis she actually played. It was, it was really, really well done. And so again, she's your finalist there. Now, let's let's broaden the horizon here. Let's talk about the match of the weekend: Noelle Hamner. Mmm, mm, that was. I mean, so here's the the thing that we should always preface that with is that day was Friday, and that was you know round of sixteen quarterfinal day. That the the fact that Hamner earns a three set victory over Selma Ewing, and the way Hamner came back from set deficits against Tomase and against well she was up you know split sets with Tomase, and the way she just raced out to that third set, there was a disrespect in her eyes. She was just like, "How did I lose?" She was like, "You do not belong on this court with me." And that sort of you know f you competitive spirit, you, you notice that right away. It was the adjustments she made against Selma Ewing, and it's just like the way she bashes the ball with such consistency. A, it still feels like there's another gear of power for her to find. I feel yeah. very f- similarly about Hamner as I do Crawley. It's just the power tennis they play, the assertiveness with which they play on the court. Now, there was some tentativeness for Hamner against Noel, and we'll get to the Noel side of the equation in a second. But, well, let's get to it first. I mean, she wins the match, 7-6 in the third. And for those that don't know, Alexa Noel two losses uh excuse me three losses now in her college career ncaa tournament last year she hurts her ankle ita all-american final this year loses in three sets to hamner she then beats her here before losing in straights to cayetano in the semifinals noel was junior wimbledon right junior wimbledon finalist i believe before coming to college number four in the world i believe yeah all of that said you know again of all of the players the cayetano forehand was the biggest weapon the Hamner tenacity stood out, of course. Connie Ma's just ability to do effortlessly anything on a court. The way Yepa Fanova, the assertiveness she plays with from the baseline. I don't care about any of that. I'm so on the Alexa Noel bandwagon. Like, I cannot emphasize enough because there's just a quality. And I, I can't explain it because, again, sometimes she's seven feet behind the baseline hitting those backhand slices. And you're just like, really? We're doing this again? And we're just going to make it that sort of point? But then she'll take that forehand early on the rise. And then she'll come to the net and show off hands where you're just like, you know you're really good at volleying, right? And it's good pop on the first serve, really good movement, and yet it feels like she can still take it to another level physically. I was just like, the record makes sense now. Because that was my first time really locking in on Alexa Noel's performance. I just, it's the most fascinating match in college tennis. Watching her versus Riley Tran was just like, it's the matrix you're just like how does this all fit together it's an interesting comparison um i didn't come away as high on her it was the first time that i'd really been able to lock in on um on her matches but it's a it's a game style that you do not see um 
often, right? And and you look at someone like Hamner, and you know, obviously her her tenacity, her her willingness to to go for her shots, um, all really impressive. But I mean, she's had coached by Michael Joyce, and I would say that like you you can see that like that makes sense um the alexa noel is something that you don't get every day um so i agree with you particularly when she matches up like a hamner like a tran where they're particularly tran just two hands on both sides gonna Mm. gonna go left to right on you um yeah i mean i was the there's a there's almost like a lackadaisicalness um to her which in some ways feels medvedevian to me mm-hmm. um kozlovish kozlovish um shout out to him um <laughs> so i i want to see more um i would like to see a little bit more aggression i think that like particularly to get to the next level like it's not going to cut it with the, these slice backhands and um i think you saw that against Cayetano. um obviously i think alexa was, was tired physically but like Cayetano was was eating that up um mm-hmm. So it was interesting. I'm I'm fascinated to have seen her play more in depthly. Um, it was a bummer we couldn't do it in the past. So um, I'm curious to see where where she goes from here. And obviously, we'll see her throughout the the Big Ten season. Um, but it's interesting that that was kind of your big takeaway. Yeah, it's just there's a lot of tools. That's the thing is it's just like yeah. she doesn't need to do the backhand. She doesn't need to hit that backhand slice. And yet, if she wants to neutralize a point with it. We're back to neutral. And it works, you're right, at the college level, but it's not going to work at the pros. At the same time, you see the volleys. You're just like, there are pieces. Yeah, that's that's a great way of putting it. Um, Mm -hmm. And putting all those pieces together, I think she can rely on some of those, her athleticism and, you know, the the ability to neutralize these points. Um, The pieces are there, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, No, absolutely. And by the way, the suggestion, this is just, you listeners won't understand that. The idea I texted to a certain coach before we started the podcast, uh, here's the quote, and the coach is going to rename nameless, but probably too dramatic for most coaches to that suggestion, by the way, which... To which I hear not too dramatic for her. (laughs) Don't leave it in but yeah i guess there are a lot yeah you know what the good news is there are now enough women's coaches that it's not going to be easy to be like who yeah and so i like that i like that um yeah noelle is excellent i mean she's got all the pieces and just again it was fascinating to watch her play i'm not trying to revel in someone's lack of joy or just you know defeat but to see how hard hamner took that seven six in the third loss like bandwagon secured i'm on don't worry bus will be driven will have a driver throughout your college career and i'm right here for it and it's just like that's what you want from a freshman not only because she was number one you know again she hadn't lost and it's just like for her to have this sort of result and to beat ewing and you know she gets bageled in the first set comes roaring back in set number two and to you know have the tentativeness creep in and to understand the amount of energy it took to come back in that match just to get it to six all and then play a really poor third set tiebreaker what a learning experience and you could just tell again i just feel like it's a sponge for like i feel like hammer's just gonna absorb it all so quickly yeah i mean you have to believe that she didn't want to win the final at the all-american that way right i mean she wanted to win that outright and bummer to be and so whenever someone retires against you like you want to seal the victory um the next go around and so you could see it on her face after the match i think it was a match of the the tournament for me, not just because of the contrast and styles, which was really interesting to watch, but just, I mean, two very fierce and, and different competitors, right? I mean, Hamner is vocal. I mean, anyone who's watched the South Carolina team knows they are going to be loud. 
Um, Hamner is no no different, um, and Noel has a little bit of a quieter, um, you know, intensity to her. I would say at times, um, but just the, the, there was a lot of spice in that match, and neither one wanted to lose. It was unfortunate that um, kind of the, the wheels came off a little bit for Hamner in that tiebreak, um, but you know that that's going to happen at times, particularly for someone who's still 18, who plays the way she, she does. Um, I mean, she's already come a long way. I watched some of her match at the U S open juniors and what we saw in that tie break was basically her first round match at the, at the U S open. And so uh, she's, she's come a long way. And I think sponge is a great way to put it. Like these are incredible learning experiences. And like, she already had more than she could have probably hoped for this fall. Um, so this is this is no knock to her. No, it was again a super impressive performance. All right, two more on the women's side, and then obviously any takes you want to have throw in as well before we switch to the men. Let's do Stanford women quickly. Connie Ma, three and one over Snowhan. Top five match of the weekend: seven six four six six two over Fiona Crawley. What a fun match that was! And. I just feel like the comparison I want to make, and I've been watching her so much, so maybe it's just bleeding into all of my comparisons, but it reminds me of Ann Lee. Just the speed mm-hmm. to take the ball early on the rise, the bracket speed she has off of both wings as well, how easy it is to absorb and redirect the pace. It's just like, you know, for Connie Ma, and Colette makes this point, so I'm going to steal it from her, Connie Ma has always won pretty much everywhere she's gone. And yep. it's just like, is that going to stop this season? early indications and I know fatigue sort of sets in but if she plays Daria Freeman the next day like I don't think the score is four and four now I'm not saying she wins the match but I think she competes better because she looked fatigued down the home stretch of that match and it's just seeing Connie Ma there's nothing on a tennis court she can't do yeah and that was what jumped out to me um I mean she's won at every level she's been one at every level um just the skill set I mean it was kind of like is there anything she can't do and it, the Crawley match was a little Spider-Man meme-esque for me because these are both um women who shouldn't play as as, as big as they do but they both have so much skill I mean it was like they both move the ball so well they're both hitting so deep I mean just I remember watching Crawley in person for the first time at NCAAs and it was like, she shouldn't be able to do the stuff that she's doing. And she makes it look effortless. Um, and Connie Ma, that was kind of the, one of the words that I took away was just, she makes it look so easy. Um, you know, just such a good athlete, such a good mover around the court. Um, I mean, big things to come for her in college tennis, particularly if she continues to develop, continues to get stronger. Um, I mean, it just kind of feels like, her and a racket can kind of make anything happen. I completely agree with you, and you're right. That Crawley Ma match, NCAA final 2023. I'm telling you, <laughs> lock 20, it in. Maybe 2024. Um, but yeah, it was it was so good. And oh man, I'm I'm like doubling down on all of my Crawley takes. I stand by all of them, and I I'm gonna comp I'm gonna quote you complimenting me the season of doubles that she's gonna get to play this year because that was the missing piece in that match. She just kept missing the put away volley, and it's just yep. like give it a year. Give it a year of college doubles, and the game becomes more complete. And just, yep. man, she is super special. So is Yepafanova, who beats Subash, who beats Czar. And just, we were wondering because we didn't get to see much of her during you know the past eighteen months. Two seconds, two seconds. You just see the way she's on the rise, taking the ball early, her court positioning. I mean, let's say Gordon and Ma play one and two. And I don't know if that's going to be the case. And if you can get Michaela Gordon down to three, oh my goodness, 
Are you feeling Waking good? If you're, yeah, it's just like a joke. Um, but Yepa Finova's got top tier game style. Like she plays like someone ready for the pro circuit. And that was, I mean, back to like the red zone coverage of just popping in on these courts. I mean, I had probably only seen Yepa Finova on Colette's videos, right? Um, And so to be able to see that for an extended period of time, um, another one who doesn't play, you know, a typical game, you know, she's, she's tall, she's imposing, she has her ground strokes are much flatter you know she's taking things on the rise she's going down the line with those um good serve solid serve um and it was just good to see you know this is where she had success um where she won the international spring championships in march in san diego here um and this is kind of the epifanova we thought we would see coming into college um you know elite of the elite i'm not ready to say who my ncaa champion is going to be but it's on the women's side, but Stanford's on the short, short list. Like, I'm not talking, oh, my last 10 teams. It's like, if I'm down to my final four, they're in it. And, like, I think the thing when we look back at our preseason poll, I'm not going to tell you where Stanford's ranked, but I think they're too low. I really do. And I, that, I expressed that when we did it, uh, obviously. But then you talked me down, and you made a very good cho- uh, point. But, man, like, if they get this Yepafanova, if they get this Connie Ma, you add those two and all the other talent they have – for the Cardinal this year, oh man, like they are, they are super, super impressive. Again, Arena Contos, very good. Mel Riasco, very good. Shout out to uh, obviously the upset of the tournament by Maria Kazireva, called by John Parsons at the Thank start you. of the day. That one, easy credit for you. Hey, great shot. Uh, that you know, that's the upset of the the tournament again. Lee Cesar after losing that first round match to Riasco, I thought it was a really nice back. Uh, Back, bounce back for her in the back draw. Ditto for Natasha Subash. Any other women's singles takeaways we haven't hit? I feel like we hit on just about everyone. Ooh, you just went through my entire list. Um, <laughs> did did we talk? I mean, we talked about Riley Tran from the perspective of Alexa Noel, but that was Riley Tran's first collegiate loss ever. So hold the North Carolina. Well, let's get into North Carolina because that's a perfect transition to the doubles, actually. And obviously, we'll, we'll just go out of order here. We're going to knock out all of the women's content first. Ladies first. I was raised well, as you know, by my mother. But I, I again, I don't want to give away the ball game. You talked me into a North Carolina take for the sake of, I don't want to say spiciness, but also just forward thinking uh, in our preseason top 10. And I'm very happy that you did. Because Thank watching you. Riley Tran compete this weekend and, you know, again, two hands on both sides. She wants to hit that two-handed lefty forehand inside in, inside in, inside out, et cetera, <laughs> more than anything in the world if you watch the Alexa Noel match. But, like, Crawley looked elite. Scotty looks healthy and confident in particular on the doubles court. I know we didn't get to see her in singles, but you know her weapons, which she's capable of when she's playing well. Tran is going to fit in anywhere three through six. I like the way she fights. I feel pretty good there. Cam Moore is not playing well right now. It's really been just a funky six-month stretch for her. And I know, you know, again, good comeback for her against Petra Hule, but I just – or Hule, excuse me. But I just – I wasn't sold on Moore's – like, again, the fact that I'm talking about I don't know if Cam Moore – like, she might play three or four because I do think Tran's going to have the big jump. And I Crawley, number one, is my take. I'm riding with it. I already gave it away, so I can continue to give it away. Um like they have a top four. Like it's and then you know I thought Tanjulik looked really good yeah. uh, in the doubles, and I know Annika Yarlagata has been very very good. If you get her playing five or six at this point of her career, you feel great there. And there are others on that roster as well. I mean, 
I think I think Scotty and Crowley right away. There's I, unless Forbes and Bolton play together, that is my team. Like that that is the team. I I know Navarro and anyone sure, but that team's very very good. Yeah, I mean, shout out to you. That was your best take I thought of the weekend of just the, the Crawley doubles um, was a total revelation, and it just cemented to me that like some of Connie Ma, these are two people who just are good at tennis. Yes. Period. <laughs> right? It Perfect. does not matter. Sometimes I mean, it really is that simple. You're just like, oh yeah, it helps to have the best tennis player on the court. Right, and and that's what Crawley is emerging to be. Right? Um, you know, d- despite her size, I mean, she's a incredible doubles player she has the hands she has the instincts she didn't even play doubles for them in her freshman season where i mean we all doubles is doubles is a learned art and she has learned it quickly she's gone undefeated with scotty it helps that she's playing with scotty who you know has has been around the block obviously won the ncaa doubles championship this year um extremely impressive from crawley i think both what impressed me both with crawley and tran is Yes, you went undefeated, which is extremely difficult to do. But they've translated that same success at the national level against ranked opponents, right? This isn't like um, they're still playing at like five, five and six tier. No, they're playing in the top tier tournaments against the top players in the country, and they're continue to have extremely strong records. So, um, I mean, UNC is just a team that's just every spot in the lineup. Um, you know, do they have? maybe the number one player in the country i mean who knows by the time may comes around crawley will be <laughs> yeah. uh will be that but um i mean just extremely good depth um i think they're going to be in for another good season yeah no i mean again is it weird and this is not meant to be slanderous to mckenna jones but like i think scotty and crawley would beat scotty and jones two and two and like i don't think it would be close like because the, the decisiveness of what they play with moving forward and you're right crawley's activity at the net and just there's also the energy they play with. They're both very clearly, you know, upbeat, a little yeah. finicky, just always bouncing around and moving yep. sort of people, and it's a really nice blend. Yep. Um, I like that team. I, I do. And I think, again, you talk about it, Mora and Tinjulik make quarterfinals at this uh, event. And, again, yep. I don't think Cam Mora is playing her best tennis right now. I still think we can get better out of her moving forward. And, yeah, yeah. it's – it was a good weekend for the Tar Heels. Six out of the last nine years, they've had finalists at this event. And, you know, they've won titles in the last three ITA Fall Nationals. They are that good. Um, yep. So it's a credit to Coach Calvis. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing on, on Cam Moore is um, I was surprised to see not much improvement on the serve, um, particularly in doubles. Um, I thought that cost them a lot. Um, especially in that third set breaker against Especially, ex- exactly. That's exactly the match I'm, I'm thinking of. Um, I mean, just for it to continue to, to, to hit the ground, and I mean, the yeah. uh, it, it cost them a lot of points there. Um, and she she pulled out of the back draw in both the All-Americans and um, and the, the national, uh, I'm just going to call it the San Diego tournament. Yeah. Um, so she pulled out in San Diego as well. So I don't know if she's injured or, or what, but that was disappointing to see. Um, would have loved to see her face Yepa Finova. Um, but I mean, they've just got talent abound um, to make up for, for any weak spots. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Any other takeaways from the doubles? I thought, again, startup save, uh, uh, startup save and Cessna Sky they're all Americans. They've earned it. Like fundamentally, they play great aggressive doubles. And you saw third sets against AM, against UNC, even, you know, going down five love, going down nine five in the third set breaker in the final. They're legit. They're the real deal. And by the way, ODU last year, you know, 
pretty good season before getting knocked out by the Tar Heels in the NCAA second round. So keep an eye on Old Dominion. Makarova Goldsmith, they're the real deal. Czar and Flores is a fascinating duo to me. I think they will be very good moving forward. You guys know Vicky Flores. I'm Team Vicky Flores. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, like, I, there wasn't anything too dramatic. I, I do think, you know, again, I don't know. Anything else I'm missing? No, that was it. I mean, ODU's biggest hurdle is just being in a bad region. Right? <laughs> they're all, always going to go to, like, Virginia or North Carolina. Um, but shout out to them, yeah. South Carolina, right? I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be there. Um, I was I was hoping they would pull off the the Holmgren um, win there with the the final followed by the the championship, but um, not to be. But um, overall, I thought just a fantastic tournament on the women's side. So many new faces. It was awesome to see, um, and just super excited to see what the spring brings. Yeah. Now we'll get into your awards and. For you listeners, Jay has an awards column, his Players of the Fall, coming out on our uh, Cracked Rackets website. Am I slightly offended that you chose Cayetano over Startup Seva and Sasnaskaya as your Players of the Fall? Yes and no. Like, it's a fair pick, but you know me, I would have cheated, and I would have just gone with both of them. Uh, but, yeah, it's like, I, I, they have a case, right? Like, of all of the players, and maybe this leads us to the men here, like, shortlist Cayetano. Holmgren, Startup Save Assassinskaya, and Andre Illigan, and honestly Clement Shidek, because he belongs in that conversation. That's like those were the the standouts of the fall. With that said, you ready to move on to the men's conversation? You ready to get into all the singles action? Let's do it. All right, let's talk about August Holmgren, who is your player of the fall. And again, I'm not going to give away all of the awards here. You can go read it on our website, crackedrackets.com. But yeah, you again. For Holmgren, worth pointing out, he was down match point. 5-4, third set, deuce point. I still don't know exactly how that backhand missed, just that it missed from Arthur Ferry at the net. And then, you know, it's worth mentioning, Ferry was up 40-love in his 5-6 service game, and it could have been very easy for August Holmgren to just throw it away, but he didn't do that. Home crowd, you know, again, ITA All-American finalist as well, and you look for him, he dropped two sets all tournament long and just... His serve, his forehand, and uh, sorry, Colette. Colette's point, she goes, what did you think about the serving? She goes, I didn't notice anyone particularly dominant on serve. I thought that was a takeaway from the National Fall event on the men's side, and I was like, this is why you're the GOAT. That's an excellent point. What was the difference between Holmgren and everyone else? It was the serve and the forehand. It was a man amongst boys. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and it was pretty clearly, again, with the red zone coverage, as you jumped around courts, I think you mentioned this earlier, you could just see it popping differently than the other courts. Um, and he mentioned in your interview, he talked about the the improvements on the serve. Um, and, I mean, I don't think the serve blows you away with the miles per hour, but it sets himself up really well for that plus one forehand, which is what he's looking for essentially every point. Um, you know, I think... Uh, not being able to hear the audio, um, it, they were loud and it was it was exciting. Uh, and so, shout out to the home crowd, shout out to the San Diego fans for showing up on a weekend um, and, and and cheering on Holmgren because uh, that was an, that was an awesome final set. Um, the, the first two sets, I felt like mo- like they were like they were like uh, clipping along, and you looked over and like Cayetano and Frame it was like every grueling point when and fairy and home game were, were at a pretty good clip there um but those final few games were were extremely exciting the crowd was getting involved um and he was just a step above right in his ability to execute on uh, on both the serve and the forehand 
Yeah, no, again, he was he really was excellent. And I thought he was fit as a fiddle, and he talked about the slow, high-bouncing courts helping him, but his ability to find those forehands, add corner time after time after time, it's just it's what won him the match. And, yeah, it was really fun to get to see a San Diego crowd, just to see how many of the college tennis alums, too, stuck around in the morning. Like, that was really good planning by Dave Mullins, the ITA team, to host that event and just – yeah, it was a special atmosphere for for the hometown student in August Holmgren, and he's your preseason number one. Like all due respect to everyone else, you can't have those sorts of results and not have him start the year ranked number one. And again, second player in program history, joins uh, uh, Jose Luis Noriega, nineteen ninety two, a champion. He's the real deal. Again, I'm done with the bit because I get too many. No, I'll keep doing the bit. Best player in California. It was funny because, like, if Ferry beats him, does it have to be Ferry by proxy? And by the way, we still haven't seen Geller. And, you know, there are plenty of guys who are going to want to stake their claim. But, like, August Holmgren's the guy right now. Best college men's college tennis player in all of California. He proved it. And just, again, you can see the experience. You see all of it. And so, yeah, a, a very worthy champion here to close out the fall. Now, of course... Who did he knock off in the final? Arthur Ferry, a guy who was trying to become the first since Somdev Devarman, Virginia, uh, 2007, excuse me, to win both the singles and the doubles titles, and that he made both finals is a testament to the week he had. And it was hilarious looking back at his record: thirteen and three in singles, twelve and two in doubles, and it's like that was the quietest, you know, twenty-five and five overall season perhaps put together in Stanford history. That said. All of the ingredients, all of the ingredients are there for that big sophomore jump for Arthur Ferry, who was a junior Wimbledon semifinalist and was, I think, the number one newcomer entering college last season. And just five foot nine package of athleticism. It's just like the side. Not once did I watch the match and see, oh yeah, that's the five foot nine guy. Like, no, he doesn't lack in power. He doesn't lack in aggressiveness. He doesn't lack in fluidity. It's literally, again, what would it have looked like had Tommy Paul gone to college? We get to see with Arthur Ferry, and it's just like, I am fascinated to see this season. I, All due respect to Axel Geller, like, Ferry could be playing one. He's that good. Yeah, I mean, I think the sophomore jump has happened. Right? Yeah, I think we exactly. just saw that. Um, I mean, he had the great win over uh, Chittick at the Northwest Regional to qualify for this event. Um, and in many ways, yes, he's 5'9", but there were points in that match against Holmgren where I was like, is he being too aggressive, right? Like, like no, I don't want you to hit another overhead, um, which is probably the shot he struggled with most, most in that match. Um, but yeah, extremely athletic, has a lot of the tools. You can see why he's successful in doubles. He's a good volleyer, um, really comfortable moving forward. I mean, a really good fall for him after kind of a, a one-in-one start um, at the All-Americans. Um, so he's he's carried the momentum from the summer, and we've brought this up before, but the, the Wimbledon qualifying run, kind of the, the marquee run, one of the marquee runs of collegians uh, in the summer, just kind of given the level he was at. Um, so really good to see him back, um, and also just indicative of what we could see from the Stanford program, right? We're going to see they've been able to train, actually, on campus. Um, they have everyone back. And so, you know, for in many ways, this is a mulligan for the Stanford team. And, and maybe we're seeing kind of what we would have saw from Arthur Ferry last fall. Um, and we get to see uh, what that number one newcomer looks like. And in many ways, he's still a very new face um, for us because it's still his first year in college. Um, so he only started in March, basically. Yeah, no, you nailed it there. And so with that in mind, let's move around. I think the next thing we have to hit, because you messaged it, 
and I said it on the broadcast, and we'll talk about it when we preview them in our college contenders. I can guarantee it. What what can Ty Tucker get away with with J.J. Tracy here in 2022? Because that's going to be the question, and I think the answer is no lower than three. You look at the results. Kingsley, Votzel, honestly, however you want to put them, I'm fine with. Votzel, your ITL American Constellation champion, your ITL American uh, semifinalist here, and just yep. you know the fifth year, the experience. If you, if you can play, can either way, you feel good about two as it, as if it's a lock. So I don't think that really matters. But of the rest of the best, Van Emberg, Trotter, Boulay, Anthrop, Tracy quarterfinals the All American. He quarterfinals here. Three-set win for him over Juan Carlos Aguilar. Three-set match with him over Clement Schiedek, who has been arguably the best player of the fall. He's on the short list. Yep. I just don't, like, again, the physicality for J.J. Tracy. He, he's the heir apparent to the Kyle Seelig, Chris Diaz spot, where it's just like, who's your miserable <laughs> nightmare in that Ohio State lineup? It's J.J. Tracy. And if you can get away with playing him at five, go for it. But I just don't know how they get away with it. Yeah, I don't know how they get away with that after this fall, but we've probably seen Ty Tucker get away with more egregious things. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but I mean, this is a, a, a parallel season in many ways to Fiona Crawley, right? Where, you know, they were had, I mean, she was undefeated. He lost what? two three matches last season um and has just really translated that success to the fall season um i mean he's playing incredible that forehand uh is is rocking and rolling i mean it's giving guys fits um i would say a lot more upside than the other guys you mentioned in terms of like where he would play in the lineup and kind of giving guys fits but um I mean, he, he's going to continue to get a lot better over the years. He has all the, the skills. Well, it's fascinating uh, you say higher upside because I'd also say higher floor. It's just like even if his forehand is not big enough to hit a winner against someone who moves that well, well, they're not going to outfitness him. Like, right. It's like JJ's in the fight, and the backhand, the depth is better. The serve has gotten better. He's clearly yep. become a better, better volleyer already in college. And it's just like the athleticism's there. The game is there. I, I agree with you. It's just like... That's three. And again, I'm sure he won't start at three. But that's the third best player on Ohio State's roster right now. 100%. Um, I mean, they have other factors, right? I mean, it'd be interesting to see how Van Emberg comes in and a whole host of other factors, um, which you all get into in, in the in the preview. But just a great fall for him um, across great the board. Great fall for the Buckeyes. Read about it on CrackedRackets.com. Uh <laughs> Uh, because I, I talk about that in the article. I mean, just everywhere you look, and this was all pretty much without Cannon Kingsley, right? He did play All-Americans, but like other than that, I mean, the success that they had with Botzel, with Tracy, in doubles, I mean, insane doubles run. I mean, in, incredible fall after a disappointing season last year. So to come out firing, really good for the Bucks. Boulay and Trotter go like 14-2. and Votzel and Cash win back-to-back. ITA All-American and... Uh, ITA Fall Nats, and they have the chance to join another Buckeye duo. Buchanan and Rolla is perhaps the only yeah. team ever to sweep all three. And, of course, 2019 ITA National Fall Doubles Final. Mate Votzel, Dominic Kolofsky earned the title over an Ohio State duo by the name of John McNally and Robert Cash. So you love to see those sorts of full-circle things in college tennis. But, yeah, I mean, Trotter got a couple – you know, Trotter von der Schulenberg played a good match in the back draw, and unfortunately we didn't get to see much of it. But I don't think Trotter played poorly – 
you know, again, Cash, Boulay, what we get from them, Anthrop, we don't really know at the bottom of the lineup. You know Jake Van Emberg, and if you're throwing him in at four, you feel very, very good about yourself. And then if it's Trotter or Tracy at five, either way, you feel like five's a lock for the Buckeyes, or you would yep. certainly hope it would be. Although, of course, then you start to look at some of the other lineups and you think maybe not. All of that said, yeah, Buckeye. I mean, I, first of all, they went two back. On the uh, in doubles, it was like again the ghost of Dave Schilling came calling, and it was like, <laughs> "Hey, let's get creative." And you could just tell it broke Rothsert and Ferry's rhythm. And I know we're blending in the doubles here as well. And Rothsert and Ferry are very, very good. That's just like, "Hey, here's two good tennis players, and they're yeah. good at everything, and now they're playing doubles together." Sorry, guys. And like the rest of the opponents, you're just screwed. Um, they were awesome, and the only thing that Cash and Votzel could do to break their rhythm was to just throw funk at them. And so they did. Votzel two back, and like credit to Coach Crow. It worked. It freaking worked. And just like, I'll be honest, I think they were missing something without Coach Schilling last year. And yeah. I, again, sniffing around the program the way I do, I know Schilling was the yang to Coach Tucker's yin. And just, there was, again, a lot of, mediating is the wrong word, but it's just like, Schilling's going to goof. Tucker's going to be serious. Of course, they both have a desperate you know, desire to win. Let, let me not – by saying he's going to goof around, that is not meant to say Coach Schilling does not take his job seriously, one of the best in the business, sincerely. And just – again, but their personalities were so different about how they went about it, and I think that was missing last year yeah. for the Buckeyes. And I just think – Thing you know again, the two back is just indicative of like let's get creative. We're down a set. We're not playing well. Let's just you know again, let's not stay. There's the stubbornness associated with Ty Tucker. We haven't seen any of that this fall, or maybe we've seen that stubbornness manifest itself as success. And it's just like how can you not be up on the Buckeyes after the fall? Yeah, it's 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 hard not to be. I mean, they were they were everywhere. Any draw you looked at, right there were there were Buckeyes. Ithaca final uh, for Kingsley. Shout out. Yeah, and then J.J. Wolf, right, you know, making, you know, his challenge success. I mean, we were talking about this on the feed. It was just, like, Buckeyes everywhere, every level. Mm-hmm. Um, really impressive. I mean, the Bucks have always played such good doubles, and, you know, so it's it's no surprise to see them them back. I think you're right. It was missing a little bit last year. Um, but, you know, in some ways, kind of, like, throwing the junk undersells, I think, what they were able to do because they were able to execute on it so well. Um, and to do that against a pair like Ferry and Rossart, who have the tools to, to handle it, um, they executed extremely well. And it's not easy to, I mean, obviously not easy to win back-to-back titles like this. Um, I think, I mean, I think Votzel has done a really nice job clearly fitting into the program and potentially providing some of that leadership um, that, that that the team you know is looking for and particularly with the fall season he's played so many of these um you know particularly with cannon out um on playing the itfs like just a really great season for Botzel to come in as a transfer uh and deliver for the buckeyes um i mean spring is looking bright bucks what do you think of the cobalt mount rushmore Oh, I mean, generous guy. He could have very easily <laughs> slotted himself in. I offered. Um, I was like, are you sure not you? And he's like, no. no. Um, so, I mean, Torp feels missing. Um, yep. Torp would be the one you probably want to cheat on. Um, I thought Blas would have the clear edge. Rolla would have the clear edge over Buchanan. So that tie, I, I feel like I could have broken. Um, <laughs> but uh, the- Crow over Kenyako is not always the pick. Those two gets him back and forth. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that that question, Greskin, you have a lot of bits. This question should be one that you ride oh. hard. 
I know you're talking to a lot of coaches, a well, lot of people. Well, you asked on Twitter, what's the Virginia list? We've done the Virginia list, and I've done it with all the players. There's a USC-UVA thing. I'm locking in in December. I promise that we can try and get that out to all of you guys January, February. But, yeah, there you can go across the board. USC, UCLA, Virginia. I want to do the ones that are more modern-focused because, like, Oh, let me tell you about Rick Leach, 1985. Like, I just don't think our current crowd will like it as much as I would like it. Or, like, you know, do I want to do the Buffaro at UCLA name drop? Like, no, that probably doesn't work in those Final Four. But, like, those, I think time the big schools could be fun. You should time, yeah. bo- you should time box it. Sebastian um, Fanislau, Daniel DeJong. I'm doing the Pepperdine one right now. I'm just trying to think random schools. Like, is Kalafel before your time? <laughs> Not so far that I don't know that I don't get the reference. Yeah, obviously okay. Ben for UCLA, he belongs on the short list. <laughs> it's funny because like Stanford, but non nineteen ninety eight. It's like if you can't put anyone on the ninety eight team, it's still a freaking awesome Mount Rushmore. It's just yeah. like you can argue Mike Bryan doesn't belong on it, um, and that's like the funny part. Um, yeah, it's UNC. The Schnurgen on the UNC one. <laughs> Trip, Will, Nick Monroe, maybe. I'd probably go Ronnie over Schnur. I know. That's the take, is Because the, the, gr- the great thing about a Mount Rushmore question is, like, it's not the, it's not just the stats, right? There's so much of it which is, like, the face of the program, right? Um, the heart of the program. Like, there's so many different ways to get at it. Um, Dan Goldberg, Victor Amaya, Malvia Washington, and Evan King. There's your Michigan Mount Rushmore. You're welcome. Okay. Well, I guess we are going back. Uh, With Ed we'll... Nagel in the five spot. Shout out to my coach. Um, yeah, that's but, not true. Yeah. First of all, not in the five spot. No, I mean, no cheating. You got to just stick with the four. Um, but, I mean, this is one, this is one of your better You mean one all of your right, we'll better save, questions. Yeah, we're, we'll stuck. save it for this Bobby. We'll save, I'm saving it for Bobby. Um, okay. And, again, I'm going to give Bobby the best teams to not win a title. That's an article series I grew up on. Um, may I, you could draw a direct line from reading that to this now. Um, but, yeah, these are all good ones, and I appreciate the compliment as always. But, okay, that's let's get back to the men's singles and just men's draw in general. I think we've blended yep. singles and doubles effectively here. Again, Ohio State clear winners i think the other thing it's worth mentioning andre Lagan. it's just real like it's yeah. just again for him it wasn't the toughest draw but you know three set uh win over james davis of colorado and straight sets for him over elevaro regalado but most importantly the three sets over arthur ferry or three sets against arthur ferry just again it shows how real it was and by the way yeah. for ferry three sets over law three sets over Illigan. Three sets for him in the semifinals as well over Mate Votsol. Three sets in the final. It was super, super impressive. So Illigan's real. The other one, Oklahoma. Like, again, Byler really needed result. They, they're looking for a number one. They may have it now in Byler. I thought Jordan Hassan actually looked very tough. Like, I'm a fan of the Israeli freshman. Yep. Kotzen, good bounce back. Diallo, good bounce back. Yep. Like, I, I don't know. Am I missing anything? I mean, I think you covered it, right? We talked about, you know, the, the women's, like, the new faces. I mean, the men's was really chalk. And it's kind of what we expected going into it, right? We, we were like, who's on upset alert? Like, oh, not many. Um, you know, seven of the eight 
seeds made it to the quarterfinals. You had, you know, the one versus three and the two versus five who beat the number four. Like it was, it was very chalk. And, um, but what emerged were these kind of, Hey, these performances are real. You mentioned, um, Andre Iligan, uh, you know, Clement Chittick, that's real as well. JJ Tracy is real. Um, so we talked a lot about having kind of like the, you know, there was no, no representation from the ITA top 10 in singles here but you did have this like core group of guys emerge as you know as their own tier and like we'll find out in the spring whether that tier is still uh a tier below the kind of the top 10 guys or if that tier is is right there with the kind of the the draxels the rodriguez's of the world were you a game of thrones fan no okay then i'm not gonna make a many face god reference to you but shout out um yeah were you westworld fan no. Oh man, so no <laughs> HBO in your life is what I'm learning here. Um, no, you can you can find me uh, watching reality TV, but um, these <laughs> are you these, a Big Brother fan. Brow. Big Brother fan. I used to be a live feeder. Oh, you you know Westoff is actually getting into this so that he can get the job as Big Brother podcast producer because that's his dream job. He's like, if I could leave you to do the Big Brother Network, I would like that. And I'm like, just don't tell them about him because they would take him. I'm like, you'll want him. Um, but all right, then never mind on the many. You're right, many faces. There are many new faces. It was very fun to see them all. Like Clement Sheedak, we didn't talk enough about him there. He's freaking good, man. He's just really like good. it's so well rounded. The backhand comes so easily. I was trying to think of a comp where it's just like, oh, you just. I don't want to say it's Petros like because Petros had a mental edge as well that was the difference his junior and senior year but just how easily the tennis comes like you could just tell there were times when Petros was like okay it's time for me to ramp it up like it's time for me to be better at tennis than you and Clement Sheedek has that where all the skills are there and it's just like okay it's time for just me to be better at the tennis part than you and like he did that against Tracy I mean Holmgren just what a weird match that was um but you know, again, I thought he didn't play poorly against Holmgren. It was what the one break deciding it in the third set. I'm throwing okay. out sets one and two. Um, he's awesome. Yeah, he's super impressive. Again, you just look at him, and you go, oh, yep, it's there. Like I, I can see him this translating to the tour. It felt uh, game wise, uh, still out on this, but it felt Vachero like in just like the completeness of the game um, and kind of the under the unassuming presence. I would say. Um, of just someone that you look at and you go, that game would translate today. Um, I can see how that that fits. And then again, I mean, mm-hmm. unforced error on kind of all of us. I mean, who didn't follow his fall or his uh, summer results? Um, but you go, oh yep, that checks out. Like mm-hmm. he'll do that next summer. Emmett Egger, Clement Sheedek, Mitch Stewart. This is going to be a new bit. I'm just going to throw out Mount Rushmore for different <laughs> programs. Um, that's my Washington Mount Rushmore. I'm a fourth phase short. I hate to break it to you. Washington doesn't have a Mount Rushmore. Oh, that's Mitch Stewart slander will not slide. here. It's on a Mount Rushmore. It's four people. Yeah, it's not. They, it's actually just Mount Rush. They don't have more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, sorry, I love Washington. By the way, I'm hoping to get out there for Seattle. That was a joke. You heard me do the bit. No Mitch Stewart slander. Leave it all in though. They just um, have their, their their Mount Rainier and they're good to go. Yeah, Pepperdine, sneaky hmm. winners. Pietro Fellin making finals of the consolation side, and Andrew Rogers, good first run win for him over Cabalbo of Utah, and I thought he played well against Sheedek, not great, but well, and it's just like, again, they've got two through nine, but who fills in the rest of the slots? That was noticeable. I mean, the Kentucky depth is real. I don't know, any other men's takeaways? 
No, I mean, shout out to Andrew Rogers, right? That's a, mm-hmm. that's a big jump that he's made. Um, you know, didn't didn't really start for Tennessee, at least not during the home stretch. Um, and so to kind of shore up the the two three spots for Pepperdine, they have DeJong at the top of the lineup. Um, you know, they're going to be solid. They'll probably beat USC um, one maybe two times this year. Feels like they always do. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were they were winners. Diallo, uh, tough first round loss, um, but felt like felt like it should have happened for him to kind of go through the constellation draw um and kind of have the results he did so overall again i just think it it just solidified what we had seen earlier on in the fall really no surprises from the tournament just a lot of new new fate new but returning faces um that are that are exciting to to throw into this mix um that we haven't really seen before where are you on my cots and take where are you on your cots and take? I feel good about it. I'm standing with it right now. Like, it was a good bounce back for him in the semifinals. There are times when you watch him play when it's maddening because you're like, why are you doing that? Um, you don't need to. But I stand by my Oliver Crawford comp from an aesthetic standpoint of his game, and I just stand by the way he competes. That's, again, sorry for the profanity. That's a Like, it's just like he is not going away. It's the, – the Crawford uh... – analogy is interesting it's a little draxel esque for me mm-hmm. um you know it's like the 0.75 draxel um a little bit mm-hmm. so we'll see i mean i'm pretty high on Schul- on von der schulenberg he had a really good fall henry um, i assume henry the the ivy league version henry, hey, um, henry. Yeah. so and and there you know who knows from you know who else from columbia is gonna merge it's just <laughs> damn good um uh so we'll see i mean uh, I think it's going to be between Kotzen and Schulenberg, and you know, I'm sure they will play several times. No doubt. One other one, Andre Martin is very, very good. I stand by my. T- he is the tennis hipster take in college <laughs> tennis. It makes sense, right? For those that know, like he kind of is the hipster take. Yeah, he's just so fun to watch. Yeah, uh, it really he, is. Yeah, you would do like jump from from court to court, and you're like, oh, this feels like something different. Yeah, um, exactly. No, the slice, into. just like the neutralizing, and then the way he goes after the forehand. The yeah, forehand. and him and McDaniel are really. They're just like your sneaky. Who did Kevin King play with? Was it? Um, oh man, it was King and not Cabal. I want to say it was Cabal, but it's obviously not right. Kevin, yeah, I'm getting old. Um, this is sad. It was yeah. Kevin King and someone. Do you remember though that very good Georgia Tech doubles team? Yes, yeah, yeah, They're, yeah. yeah. That's a good, good take. This one you'll see a lot of tweets in your Twitter feed if you're a college tennis fan. McDaniel Martin, first since King and the guy he played with, to do this in program history, to do that yeah. in program history because they're just legitimately uh, very, very good. But with all that said, again. I don't want to give away the entire awards column, but you did write your winners for the fall portion of the 2021 college tennis season. Sneak peek. Give me, give me a, what, what can listeners expect if they go and read your article on our website? Well, the impetus for it was, you know, we hadn't had a full fall season um, in two years. And so it felt like what better way to kind of put a bow on this fall season than kind of giving out some awards with so many, so many new faces. We've talked a lot about uh, a lot of people who got some recognition. Uh, we go through uh, on the men's and women's side, player of the year, most improved player to watch um, school of the school of the fall. And what am I missing? One more and newcomer and, and newcomer. Um, so that's that's a tease. Here's a really interesting stat for you. Um, on the women's side, obviously, we had Sarah Hamner win the All-Americans. Uh, three of the eight quarterfinalists in San Diego were freshmen. On the men's side, 
there was not a freshman to win a main draw match at either All Americans mm. or Fall Nats. You know, I said this to Colette, and she, I don't want to say got mad at me, but she was like, well, you're just wrong because, honestly, she didn't have a negative response. I don't know why I'm pivoting her, pitting her against me here. Um, but I was like, it felt like a down year at Kalamazoo, where I was like, yeah, Sfide is good, Shelton's good, but everyone else either feels a year away or just like, yeah, they'll be very good. In Cal- like, this is not meant to slander Colton Smith. I think he's going to be really good as a freshman, but is he going to be Johannes Monday good? I don't know. Like, I thought it just – it didn't feel like a loaded Kalamazoo the way that years have in the past. And so, again, about this freshman class, and part of it is the fact we just didn't get to see a lot of them in 2020. This is yep. a pandemic-impacted grade as much as any. Yep. I agree. It's like I don't know, especially on the men's side, who are the good young freshmen? We know the sophomores are loaded. And, like, you're going to try and list all the sophomores. You're going to forget a name. We know how good they are. You're absolutely right. Like, a lot of questions about the freshmen. Yeah. So with that, it, it, it's quite. It's a it, coming up with the newcomer of the fall on the men's side was interesting. Um, so I think that that's an that was an interesting take um, for newcomer of the year on the, the men's side. Um, but just so many good performances throughout. So it made some of some of it pretty easy to just kind of run through um, for for some of those awards. But um, bold. The only one I disagree with. This okay. is the only one I'm going to make public. I would go USC over Pepperdine for school of the fall. I get the Pepperdine choice. It's a good pick. Like yep. it's not, it's not a throwaway, um, but I'd have gone SC just because Cayetano and, uh, and Ewing did it back to back. They did it at both events. And so it's like, they were that good at the two major events and at the regionals. Yep. Totally fair. I was spreading the love around Cayetano, you know. Yeah, exactly. You'd already t- – exactly. I know. I First of all, that's just good writing. That's why it was, I e- it was an editorial choice. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. Well, with that said, again, everyone can read the piece. Follow words at our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, you and I, we are going to get college contenders rocking and rolling. I can report. Melissa Schaub and I are now in contact, have everything scheduled, squared away, ready to rock and roll. But – Again, final thoughts, departing thoughts, fall tennis season after not having it in 2020, uh, 2020 we get it this year. Your final takeaways. I had a, I had a lovely weekend sitting on the couch, <laughs> <laughs> chiming in, chirping in when I wanted to. Um, so shout out to you guys for, for the coverage. Um, it felt like a really great end to, to a full fall season. Um, you know, couldn't be more, I mean, this time last year, we didn't know if we were getting a spring season, right? So to be rocking and rolling the way we are with the fall season, um, to be excited about these these matches that are happening in two months, um, you know, we're going to start to see some dual matches. Um, you know, it's it's really exciting. The, the the returning faces, the new faces, so many people to to keep an eye on. I didn't feel like we were missing people on the men's side that I felt in all Americans, right? I didn't find that sense of like, oh, it's a depleted field because these are the guys who who made the runs, who made the deep runs at all Americans. So overall, really good tournament. Um nice end cap to to the fall season and could not be more excited to to go to the spring season. Four words for you. College tennis is back. And damn is it nice to have it back. I agree with you and I appreciate your kind words. And again Shout out to the ITA, the entire team, top to bottom, Tim Russell, all the way through for putting on a fantastic fall season. It's great to be back. And, of course, as I mentioned, college 
tennis contenders coming who are our top 10 teams entering the 2022 dual match season you can find out over the next 10 weeks as we talk about each of the teams on our great shot podcast as we write about each of the teams and by we i mean of course jay and matt stokoyak write about each of the teams on our website cracked rackets we'll have videos about each of the teams interviews with each of the head coaches as well we're ready to rock and roll. We are very, very excited. Hopefully some other cool things down the pipeline as well. Of course, who's the man who makes all that possible? Our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who has a f- of an editing job to do once again and continues day in, day out to set the standards here at Cracked Rackets that we all try to live by. Uh, of course, again, if you've missed any of our content conversations with Peter Cobelt of late and so much more. Find it all on the website, CrackedRackets.com. Like, rate, subscribe, review this show, Mini Break Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, of course, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. With all that said, for my fantastic co-hosts, John Parsons, our super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, our friends, and all of us here, excuse me, at both the Tennis Channel, uh, Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. There it is. The brain is finally short-circuiting, Jay. So with that in mind, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will talk to you all next time. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.